0: Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode. I hope that you're having a wonderful day so far wherever you are in the world and as always, thank you for joining me. I am sitting here with my Earl Grey tea as per usual and... I actually started doing something new because it's been getting a little bit warmer here in Canada and we're starting to enter spring soon. So I've started to make some iced tea, which has been really lovely. And what I've been doing is there's this brand, Stash, and you can get them at most grocery stores, at least here in Canada. But you could probably do this with any tea. And what I've been doing, I just put two tea bags in a massive mason jar and then I fill it up with hot water put it in the fridge for a bit take it out put ice in it squeeze some lime and stevia which not everyone likes the taste of stevia I Really do So that has been another one of my go-tos recently. And I think the flavor that I've been using is a pomegranate raspberry flavor. And to be honest, if you've ever had like any of the iced teas at Starbucks or anywhere else, I really do think you can recreate them at home. And that's what I've been kind of trying to do, experimenting and playing around with different teas. And if you listen to this show, you'll know that that's one of my favorite drinks. So I'm really excited that we're now entering into kind of iced drink season now. I drink ice drinks all year around, but there's just something different and something special when the weather is nice and when it's sunny, and yeah, so that's what I've been enjoying. Other than that, I feel like I don't have that many life updates since last week, other than we got a new vacuum. And I've now entered the era of adulthood where that is one of the most exciting parts of my week. We got this cordless vacuum, and it's basically just a handheld, like it's not too big or bulky. And so I've been obsessed with that. I've been putting on my 2000s girly anthems playlist and, you know, cleaning the apartment and feeling like I'm in a music video or in a rom com. And to be quite honest, that is one of my favorite things to do I know it sounds like kind of whatever but honestly it brings me so much joy and yeah I shared last week on social media my 2000s girly anthems playlist and you guys were obsessed so I'll also share it here it's a really good mood boost it completely changes my energy I like these types of things that I can just rely on that are simple, that don't require, you know, going out or spending a lot of money. They're just quick ways to boost your mood and boost your energy. And I really love that. I actually remember a couple of years ago when I lived with my sister, if we were both feeling like we were in this kind of like slump and we were just feeling low energy and low mood, we would. If, if it was one of us or both of us, we would look at each other and we'd be like, okay, let's do our routine. We put on a really fun playlist or song and we would just dance around the apartment. And without fail, almost every time we would feel at least a little bit better. There's something about that movement and that happiness and that joy of just like honestly dancing. And I actually remember speaking to my naturopath a few years ago and she was recommending that I dance more because she could tell that it brought me a lot of joy and she invited me to treat it as a moving meditation. I ideally do it when nobody else is in the apartment just because I don't want to be thinking about what I'm doing and trying to look good. I really like to think of it as like truly a movement, moving meditation, excuse me, and it doesn't always have to be like super upbeat music. Sometimes I'll put on something a little bit more mellow and just really move my body and get out of my head. So that's my invitation to you. If you're feeling a little bit low energy, like you need to shake it up, move around your body, you can listen to that playlist or any other playlist of your choice. And of course, I'll link the playlist in the show notes. I keep calling it the description box, but I need to get used to calling it the show notes. Okay, folks, with that said, I will transition into today's topic. I've been talking for a few weeks now about doing a Q&A topic. This podcast has been steadily growing over the last few months, which has been really exciting and cool to see. I'm so happy to see that you are all resonating with what I'm putting out there and, you know, I'm getting a lot of messages on social media about different topics that I'm covering and it's so sweet to hear all of your feedback and once again I really appreciate you being here and listening and you know validating that I'm not the only one having these experiences because quite honestly when I first started this it was just a way of expressing myself putting myself out there and it's really cool to see that I'm not the only one that is feeling some of these things. But as I mentioned, it's been a couple weeks now where I've been wanting to do a QA. and a My initial goal was to do it at the end of an episode, but what I've found is that I'm someone who talks a lot and by the end of the episode, we're already looking at 40 minutes and quite honestly, I wouldn't want to put you through a whole nother q and I wanted to do the Q&A justice and also I've done another round asking you for more questions on Instagram so that I could do a full episode and I would have enough questions to do a full episode on your questions for me. So with that said, we're going to start off with some more personal questions that you asked. These are a combination of questions that were asked on Instagram and then a few on TikTok in different places and I kind of just have combined them into one. So yeah, we'll start off with some personal questions and then we'll transition into the more advice type questions. So the first one, which I absolutely love, I love talking about this, is about my astrology, my big three. Now, I want to preface this by saying I've spoken before in episodes about how I am relatively new to astrology. And I've been interested in it for years, but in terms of actually looking at it in more depth and learning about my own, that's been a very recent endeavor. And what I will say is that I look at these meaning making systems, so astrology, human design, different things like that. And by the way, meaning making systems is a term that I believe I heard from Michelle Palazon on the 12th house podcast. So if you haven't listened to that, I would highly recommend. But as I was saying, these systems the way that I relate to them is not as a means of being something that I have to follow strictly and also judge other people based off of that's one side of astrology that I find I don't necessarily resonate with is like oh that person's this you're never going to get along with them I simply look at it more so as this gives me permission to settle settle a little bit deeper into who I am and you know, learning a little bit more about myself, I think self-inquiry and having that data about maybe the type of setup that I'm looking at and what I tend towards, it really helps me to feel more validated. I talk a lot about this in relation to human design and how learning about being a manifesting generator who is someone that has multiple passions and multiple purposes and is can be very, very effective at doing multiple things. But we often hear that that's not acceptable and you have to do one thing. So learning that I was in that category helped me to clear some of the shame in the way that I was feeling and lean into and honor a little bit more of who I am so back to the original question I know I just went off on a tangent here my sun sign which I want to provide a little bit of context for someone who doesn't really know much about sun moon rising and this is just from the app that I use the app is called co-star but I also use the app time passages and so my son which determines my ego identity and role in life is a Virgo Virgos are traditionally very organized and structured and disciplined and effective. And so this really resonates with me because I definitely have that tendency. Generally, I tend to be quite effective. I definitely wouldn't say so much so that I am like super organized very tidy or anything like that that part of it I don't really resonate with there are certain facets of it that I do like for example I like to create excel spreadsheets for just about everything and I do really like to feel organized and that helps me to feel grounded but not so much so that I'm rigid I find that that's kind of the opposite side of the spectrum that i don't resonate with at all and i'm much more you know i think i like to have structures in place that i can feel stable and grounded i've talked about this before but then within those structures allowing myself to kind of move through with a little bit more fluidity and ease which brings me to my moon sign which is a leo and the moon rules, emotions, moods, and feelings. According to this app, it's what you think of yourself as reflects your personality when you're alone and deeply comfortable. Now, Leos tend to be really associated with being dramatic or expressive, creative, somewhat self-centered, if you will, but a love of being in the spotlight and Performing and all of those things that I've spoken before about how since I was young, I've always loved to like put on little performances. I used to do that for my grandparents when they came over. I loved doing little plays. Me and my friends used to do like little choreographed dances and then perform those to her siblings and her parents and stuff like that. And I loved being in the school plays. I always wanted to have really front and center roles, never got them because I couldn't sing, but that's besides the point. Um, So That kind of part of me, that expressive, creative part of me, I would very deeply resonate with as well. Quite often, I've actually felt shame about this part of myself because I've felt as though it's very, once again, self-centered. That word has a lot of meaning behind it and a lot of shame attached to it. Um, But not necessarily just the self-centered piece, it's like the desire or the need to be seen. And how that can feel shameful. But it's interesting because as I've started to embrace and lean into this, I've allowed myself to create spaces to honor this. For example, on social media, on my podcast... And all the rest. So, that is definitely something that I very much identify with and lean into. And then, my rising is something that I definitely don't know a whole lot about, and I'm not 1000% sure if it's accurate because I don't know 100% my birth time. And apparently, as far as I understand, the rising sign can change every couple of hours. So, my rising is an Aquarius, and the rising is associated with. The mask essentially that you present to people so for me when it comes to the Aquarius rising what I've seen is that this is often associated with being kind of standoffish detached abrupt in your own head kind of airy and this is something that I've actually really struggled with to be honest I've been told so many times that my energy when you first meet me isn't necessarily the most warm and people have often told me that they were kind of intimidated or scared to approach me and even my partner actually had said that in our first few interactions he just felt like I was really disinterested and detached which is so interesting because that's not the way I felt at all I was actually obviously quite interested in him and found him really funny and I was very into him so that's really interesting But once again, I have learned that, you know, to the best of my abilities, I want to make a good first impression and make people feel comfortable, but I can only do so much without kind of not honoring my own self. And in the past, I felt like I've needed to overcompensate for this part of myself and be overly bubbly and overly friendly and overly energetic. And that's not really something that comes necessarily super easy to me especially not at first so what I've learned to accept is that people who really want to get to know me and who I'm going to become close with are not going to allow an initial interaction an initial feeling that I was perhaps detached or not super bubbly, they're not going to allow that to be something that stops them from getting to know me. Okay, swiftly moving on. If I spend that long on every single question, we are never going to finish this episode. So let's go to the next question, kind of in the same realm, which is are you slash have you ever been religious? There's a pretty quick answer to this question. I definitely don't identify with being religious. I would identify with being spiritual. However, Religion has never resonated with me personally, and I truly, truly do not judge anyone who finds community and finds comfort and finds purpose within a religious space, but that is not me. I was raised Catholic, and I one thing I did love was the music, and I definitely did love the sense of community. I never resonated, however, with anything beyond that, but once again, that's just my own personal perspective and I have no issue being connected with or being friends or in community with folks who are religious. So the next question was, did you ever take medication for anxiety? And I've had this question a few times. I made a video a while back talking about this on TikTok and basically just to reiterate, I have been on medication. I believe, I don't remember the exact time frame, but I believe I was on medication for about a year. What I was prescribed was an SSRI, a very low dosage SSRI, and then in addition to that, I was also prescribed this medication that you could take when you were having a panic attack or when you felt it coming on, let's say if you were about to fly or about to do a presentation, and it's not something that I would take regularly, it would just be in one-off situations where I knew I was going to maybe have a panic attack, and so those are the two that I was prescribed. That is a whole other story because I have so much to say on the topic of medication. Just to summarize, I'm grateful for my experience with medication. I think this is a kind of sticky subject and a lot of folks who have never experienced mental health tend to be quite judgmental about the decision to go on medication, which I think is a little bit weird given that we go we are so accepting of so many different types of medication that are for physical ailments etc so I think that they can be life-saving and they can be something that gets you out of a really tough place where things like meditation and you know, breathing exercises just don't really resonate. Now, I do really believe in the power of lifestyle changes and habits and different things like that. And I, of course, talk about those all the time. But the analogy that I always use is when I made the decision to go on medication, it was as though I was drowning and I couldn't even see above water and I couldn't even see the lifeboats that were available to me, i.e. meditation and lifestyle factors, I just needed something to help me get to that point, get me above water so that I could then reach for those things and integrate them into my lifestyle and then I could get a baseline, slowly start to transition off of that and that's what I did. What I will say is it's not as though the anxiety completely went away, the medication certainly helped and then transitioning off of it, I did have some serious bouts of anxiety however I felt much more comfortable leaning into the practices that I had cultivated that would help me to stabilize and regulate my nervous system and then over time quite honestly I've said this before it's really not something that I struggle with anymore at least on a day-to-day basis so I did go from experiencing daily anxiety generalized anxiety as well as panic attacks almost daily to experiencing little to no anxiety so i just want to always reflect that it is possible of course there are also folks who just stay on the medication for their whole life and that is completely okay too and we all have very different journeys and very different experiences so i just wanted to provide that and then of course as with any conversation that has to do with healthcare or medication i would highly highly recommend that you speak with a medical professional that you feel comfortable with. Okay, so for the next question, I had a couple questions about skincare and one sweet friend said, how do you get so glowy? So I have had quite the interesting journey with skincare. I have mentioned before that I thought I was like a skincare girly for a while there. I started a skincare blog, had no business doing so, but ultimately I have landed on the fact that I want my skincare to be simple, low maintenance, I want to make sure that I'm like keeping my skin hydrated. I have very dry skin and for whatever reason, I find that living in Vancouver, my skin gets incredibly dry. I don't really have acne. I used to struggle with that, but it might have something to do with the fact that I'm on an IUD now and for whatever reason, I haven't really struggled with acne since. But with that being said, I've really tried to simplify my skincare routine down and also make it affordable and accessible because... Honestly, I've tried really expensive products and I've tried really cheap products, and I've not noticed like a huge difference in some of them. And when it comes to like the cheaper products, I'm gonna share a couple of my favorites that I still think are good at least for me and work really well so I am always experimenting keep that in mind this will probably change in a few months to come but I'm really liking this routine at the moment because it's really simple and I don't need to think too much about it and my skin feels good so the cleanser that I'm using is the Ordinary Squalane Cleanser. Then I will use some sort of hydrating serum, so a hyaluronic acid or something like that. I usually just go for the Ordinary. And then my most recent addition to my skincare is the eucerin advanced repair cream it has no scent it is very moisturizing and it's not that expensive at all you can get a massive tub for like 20 bucks and i believe this is actually designed for folks with things like eczema i remember my dad used to use it on his hands when he had like really dry hands and so it works really well for me because i do have such dry skin and then i also at the end of that will sometimes use aquaphor on top in certain areas and Vaseline I do find that occasionally that will break me out so I don't always do that but I do find if I do that it leaves me waking up feeling a lot more hydrated. Throughout the winter, I also really like to have a little bit of a glowy tan. So every few weeks I'll use some sort of tanning drops. And right now I'm really enjoying the Salty Face. It's like a water and you spray it onto this brush and it is so natural and so it's not streaky at all. It's probably one of my favorites that I've tried What I will say is if you do decide to try it, use sparingly because it's very strong and you really don't need a lot, like maybe one spray. If you are wanting to try it, I will leave a link in the show notes so that you can try and get a little discount. So I touched on this one a second ago about my IED and I did have a question about whether or not I would recommend it and basically what my experience has been with it. So just for context, that is my form of birth control. It's basically a little thing that you insert and... It can last for a couple of years. Mine, I believe, is five years. And so I'm getting to the point where I'm having to decide whether or not I want to get another one put in and... My experience with the IUD has been largely positive. Obviously, it's amazing to not have to take birth control every day. I actually don't get my period. I haven't had my period in a really long time. And I've heard a lot of different experiences with the IUD. I will say that mine has been very positive. It didn't hurt for me to get it put in. It was uncomfortable for sure, but it was relatively painless. I didn't have any weird symptoms after. I definitely had some spotting for a month or so after I got the IUD put in. Besides that, it's been so painless and so thoughtless. I've had zero issues. But one thing I will say is as I approach this part of my life where I have to decide if I want to get it put in again, I am reconsidering the fact of not having a cycle for five years and how that might impact me because I think... I remember speaking with my naturopath about this, about how obviously it's a natural cycle and it makes me feel kind of weird not to be in tune with that at all, but at the same time, like, I don't really want to get pregnant right now, so that's a thing too. I don't know, maybe I'll I'll make this a little journey that you can go on with me if you're in the same boat. I actually do have a few friends who are not in birth control at all. They just, like, track their cycles through their temperature or through different apps like Flow. And so maybe that's a journey that I'll be going on in the next little while. As of right now, the IUD is my form of birth control. I have personally had a very painless experience with it, but I have friends who have not. I think it's very individual. And once again, I would recommend you speak with someone about that. Okay, so I'm kind of doing back-to-back all the health-related questions, and then we'll get into more of the advice questions. So the last question related to kind of more personal health stuff is what supplements I take and what supplements I recommend. Now, I want to preface this conversation with saying, once again, this is kind of like a medical-related question, a health-related question, and that is not my domain, but or Lambert-Eden syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com
1: or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states.
0: Learn more at UH1.com. I will just share with you where I'm at with my journey in case any of that resonates and then you can empower yourself to kind of go off and make your own decision and do your own research. So basically I have had a very interesting relationship with supplements. I think I very much was feeling like I had to take all of them when I first started getting into health and wellness and I didn't really notice any impact and in fact I was perhaps overdoing it. I started to learn a little bit more about how unregulated the industry is and how there's not really that much control over what goes into it or like quality control. And so I kind of took a step back and tried to focus more on just like working with my diet. However, I was working with a naturopath for a while and she recommended me a few different supplements and... She also just kind of said that the ones that I was taking were filled with like different stuff that didn't allow your body to fully absorb it, which is why I just decided to kind of like take a pause, take a step back. And also at the same time, I didn't want to add so many different things to my routine that I was needing to do and needing to upkeep. I basically wanted to have it as simple as possible. So I've played around with a few different multivitamins over the years. But in the last month or so, I think I mentioned this on my last podcast, I was introduced, well, in the last six months, I'd say I was introduced to AG1, also known as Athletic Greens. And I was introduced to this by a couple of different podcasts from people that I really admire in the realm. And so I was kind of interested and curious because basically they were talking about how it's like an all-in-one, you know, you get all of your supplements in one place and you don't really need to worry about trying different things. So I was super interested in that. So I actually reached out to them and asked if they would be interested in collaborating, partnering, that kind of thing. And they offered me to try out their supplements first to basically see what I thought before I actually went ahead and Started to speak about them and started to share more about what they do, and so that's kind of the phase that I've been in right now for the last month. I would say I've been trying AG1, and if you don't know what it is, I mean, I feel like if you listen to podcasts, you already do, so I'm not going to give the whole spiel right now, but basically. It's just a powder, like a green powder. It has a bunch of vitamins, minerals, whole foods, etc. And you basically just take it once, put it into water, and you're done. And so that's been really cool. I've been really loving that. I People keep asking me about the taste, and quite honestly, I like it. It tastes kind of pineapple-y and definitely like a bit earthy, but to be honest, I'm kind of biased because I'm the type of person that could put just about anything into a smoothie and I would still drink it. Like, I, I can just down it. So... Short answer is I have been trying AG1 of the last month or so. That's what I've been going to. Prior to that, I kind of dabbled, but this is the only one that I've been consistently taking. And so far, so good. Like I said, don't mind the taste. It's been giving me definitely a lot more energy, which has been amazing. I've been noticing throughout the day a lot more sustained energy which I've struggled with a lot in the past so yeah like I said so far so good it's saving me a lot of time because I don't have to necessarily think about it and yeah like I said you'll probably hear me talking about them a little bit more in episodes to come but for now if you want some savings if you're interested in trying then I will leave my link in the show notes Okay, so now we transition into more lifestyle advice, tips, types, questions. The first one I'm just going to have a quick response to is basically what meditations are your favorite. Now, I don't use meditation apps. I have dabbled here and there um, with things like Headspace and Calm and different things like that. And... To be honest, I'm not really like a guided meditation gal right now. I very much was when I was first getting into it because I found it borderline impossible to just sit and like be with my own thoughts. So guided really helped me and I always recommend this as a way to start. My go-to and also the type of meditation that I practice and facilitate is mindfulness meditations. And so for me personally, what I'll usually do is I'll just put on like a backtrack if I really feel like listening to something on ideally noise-canceling headphones, and I'll just put on like some meditation music and then I'll just meditate through that and do my own guided experience. I'll toggle between like having a focus meditation where I have an anchor, so my breath or my body, or just having like an open awareness meditation where I'm just trying to sit with everything and be a witness to everything and not try to change or control. I think that balance is really important because I quite often when I'm doing like a focused meditation, I'm not really being present with the experience. I'm just trying to, you know, really focus on the anchor and things like that. So I like to balance it out with a more open awareness, conscious awareness, where I'm just allowing the experience to unfold. I'm letting my thoughts do whatever they want to do and I'm really not trying to control anything. I also really like Meditation series. So, like, let's say it's like 30 days of meditation or something like that. If I've been out of meditation for a while, it helps me to get back into it by doing it every single day. And also things that are focused on a specific outcome. So, for example, in the last few months to a year, I've been really focusing on shifting my relationship with finance and money and career and establishing a more abundant. Attitude, abundant mindset, if you will. And so I'll listen to like specific meditations on that. We can be a lot more receptive and expansive when we're in that meditative state or when we have regulated our nervous system because it basically allows our mind to think more creatively and not just be so focused on survival. So I find that meditation. Even if it's not like a specific meditation surrounding things like abundance or finances, it really helps me to establish that baseline from which I can think a lot more expansively and creatively. So, of course, I would highly recommend that to anyone who is interested in trying that out. Okay, someone else asked, How do you keep a balanced social media pressure existing intentionally? Be in the moment. So, this is interesting because I definitely, I'm not gonna lie, I struggle with this balance from time to time what i try to do with my social media though is i try to make it a direct reflection of how i'm already living so i try not to like extend myself too far to the point where of course it is my job and it's part of my job so there are things that I'm curating and I'm creating and that process is like super enjoyable to me but also there's that balance of like not being able to do anything without feeling like I have to film it so I have to be very mindful of those moments and the impact that that has on my well-being and what I would say is like I've gotten in touch with when I'm creating for validation and that is when I feel like I'm in that space of like responding to the pressure that I feel versus honoring my creative cycles and not forcing myself to create when I really don't feel that inspiration. There are times that I feel like I just need to get the creative juices flowing and maybe I just create something that is a little bit less planned and kind of just like filming something that I'm doing, but I would say that being able to honor my creative cycles is really important and being able to honor the lulls. Now social media at least right now is not my main or sole source of income so I am able to like step away from it when I feel a little bit overwhelmed or like I'm responding too much to that pressure but basically where I'm coming from is if in the moment it feels good to film I'm going to film and I'm not going to feel guilty about that. I enjoy it and quite often As you'll see on my social media, everything is things that I'm already doing. Sometimes it's a little bit like, oh, I'll do a daily vlog and maybe I'll do a few things that I wouldn't typically do, but it's in a good way and it encourages me to do things that perhaps I wouldn't have done otherwise. So I think that's part of it is allowing it to be a natural reflection of who I am. I personally find the more curated, the more pressure I feel to maintain that curation and my life doesn't look curated so therefore it's difficult for me to maintain that and I always just think about it from what's going to be sustainable for me now and in the long term so if I set myself up with a certain niche or a certain aesthetic that is not going to be sustainable and it's going to be difficult and require a lot of extra work for some people they love that they love curating and they love that niche aspect for me I love for it to be more like a direct reflection of my life and I like to be very transparent I don't like to be like super curated and that's just where I'm at right now. So I hope that helps to answer your question. I feel like for me it's about practicing engaging with social media mindfully and recognizing when I am in the space of responding to the pressure to create versus Authentically feeling like that's what I want to do, and then allowing myself to create. So, just being aware of that balance. And then, in the moments where I feel that pressure, maybe taking a step back and doing some reflection on why I feel that I need to respond to it and what it is within me that's telling me that if I don't respond to it, like something else is going to happen. I'm going to maybe like become irrelevant or or whatever and just examining those narratives because it's an opportunity for me to practice detachment and to be much more free in the way that I create and the way that I express. The next question, which I really, really love, is basically, did you ever feel awkward talking about your spirituality with friends and family or talking about things like manifestation? Uh, absolutely, yes. I still do feel kind of awkward and to be honest, it's just something that I'm working through because it's these are topics that I I really love and I resonate with and I recognize that across the plane of spirituality you have a spectrum of people that maybe aren't as representative of the true values and that's like within any space and so I can't allow myself to worry that that's how people are going to interpret me I have to recognize that and honor that this is something that I feel has helped and served me so much in my life and by talking about it, I'm inviting other people to experience that opportunity who haven't already or to explore their own spirituality or To feel comfortable talking about it and not feel awkward in moments where I feel awkwardness or shame or embarrassment about certain things It's actually a good indicator for me that I should Talk about them because I know that other people are feeling this way So when it comes to spirituality things like manifestation kind of more out there topics, I definitely Try to speak about them as openly as freely as I can, especially in different spaces Of course coming from a very corporate Um, background and still being heavily immersed in those spaces this can be challenging because sometimes you get like some weird looks or you understand that assumptions are being made but at the end of the day it's not for me to control those assumptions and for me to you know tailor myself so that those assumptions won't be made if someone wants to make an assumption based on the topics of conversation that I'm excited about and interested in and passionate about then that's really not for me to control or to be too worried about and so yeah it's definitely something that I'm moving through but I still continue to have these conversations even when they feel awkward and I don't want to force anyone to have them if they're not there yet or if they don't they don't resonate or not interested in But yeah, that's where I'm at with that. Okay, so the next question is, how do I not take rejection in any form or situation so personal? Now, this is a big theme for me because I had a massive fear of rejection and I'm still working through that. I think I always will be. I think it's a very natural fear to have because social acceptance is very important and to feel that rejection can feel, can create a fear response and can make us feel very anxious and uncomfortable. But when it comes to... Fear of rejection being in the driver's seat and not making certain decisions because we're scared to be rejected. I think that's when it can taper off to being unhealthy because it's kind of in control of what we do and do not do. In a lot of cases, we might have a desire to put ourselves out there in a new way or to try a new opportunity. I talk a lot about putting myself out there on social media, but then. The fear of rejection comes in like a roadblock and doesn't allow us to move forward because we're so paralyzed by this fear and what could happen. So that's the first piece is learning how to navigate the fear of rejection. But of course, that's not what this person asked. They asked, how do I actually navigate being rejected and not take it so personally and not allow it to stop me from putting myself out there in the future, etc. So how I always look at it, and I'm a pretty good person to share this because I have experienced a lot of rejection over the years is every time that I look back in hindsight at a rejection that I received or being ghosted or whatever form of rejection it is, I I can always actually see why that was necessary to bring me to where I am now. Quite honestly, sometimes rejection really sucks, but the most productive way that I've found to look at it is as redirection. Redirection away from things that ultimately were not meant for me or not meant for me right now. It doesn't mean that it's a never. And so that's the way that I really look at it. Of course, this is easier said than done and I think it's really just a matter of exposure therapy, exposing yourself to rejection, allowing yourself to move through those feelings of shame and of embarrassment or whatever feeling it is that you're having. And really, to be honest, looking deeply at that feeling that you're experiencing when it comes to rejection because feelings can be a really good indicator of areas where we are not healed and perhaps where there's something from our past that is like we're pressing up against that wound so perhaps if we experience a certain type of rejection in early life this is making us it's reminding us of that situation and by looking back and kind of healing that wound we can We can operate from a different context and recognize that this is not the same and, you know, we can really make a choice of how we want to look at it ultimately at the end of the day. And there's no denying that it sucks, but if you can find a reframe in that moment, even if you're feeling crappy, I find that that is the best way for me to not allow that feeling to stop me from putting myself out there again. I don't know if this is going to make sense, but recently rejection has been... (sighs) Not welcome for me, but I almost prefer it to stagnance because I feel like things are moving and I feel like I'm getting feedback on, okay, that's not meant for me. Let's try something else. Whereas when I, let's say I reach out to some companies or I apply to some jobs and I never hear back and I never hear that feedback, it's like an empty loop and it feels Unfinished. So for me, it's just about shifting the pattern that I typically have that follows rejection of shame or embarrassment or stagnance because I don't allow myself to move forward. I think it's okay to feel disappointed because perhaps you put a lot of effort into something, but I just try to like look at that patterning and then just shift it and just do that reframe in that moment. And the other thing that I like to try to envision and embody is myself in the future understanding why that rejection happened. And although I don't really understand right now, I know that there's a version in the future that does and is at peace with that rejection. So I try to just like embody that version of myself. Okay, a couple questions about friendships. One about how to make new like-minded friends. The other one is how to form meaningful friendships. I had someone say that they're surrounded by people who only want to party, but I'm not interested at all, so it's hard to find lasting friendships. And I can definitely resonate with this. Interestingly, I feel like a lot of people can, where you have this phase where perhaps you start to feel as though you are shifting and evolving and perhaps your friendships are not. One thing I will say is that during the period where I went through like a major personal transformation, I was really struggling with my mental health. I really wanted to change my lifestyle. I actually felt inclined to distance myself from certain friendships because the context that we kind of formed the friendships in was a lot of partying and in my mind I thought it would be easier to remove myself in the same way that like let's say you were trying to quit smoking you would probably distance yourself perhaps from folks who encouraged your smoking habit. What I will say though is shifting a relationship with someone doesn't mean that you have to end them. Now, I don't know your specific situation about the folks who you're hanging out with that are partying a lot and whether or not those relationships have like a solid foundation. There were certain friendships that I allowed myself to let go of because there was no foundation beyond partying, but there were others that I think because I had this association with certain lifestyle factors, I distanced myself where I should have been open about what I was experiencing experiencing and offered the opportunity to allow that relationship to evolve. It means that perhaps this partying phase that we have together might change, but it doesn't mean that I have to completely cut out these friends. And quite honestly, once I started having these conversations with these friends, I noticed that a lot of them were feeling similar. So that's my first piece of advice is I feel like something that I've noticed within the world of spirituality is that like, oh, when you start to become spiritual, you're going to lose so many friends, you're going to start to da-da-da, and while that may be true for some people, maybe you notice that some of the more shallow and not really deep relationships do start to fall off, but it doesn't mean that you have to cut out everyone, and partying in and of itself doesn't mean that that person is a bad person, it just means that perhaps because that's no longer a priority for you your relationship the way it looks will change and evolve and you might experience some resistance from your friends at first because there is this element of like oh you're not drinking why not blah 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 and it's kind of like this you feed on each other but I do think that if you're open and honest with people good friends will understand and those are the friends that you can invest that that energy into evolving if you are both kind of like on the same page and I I feel the same with romantic relationships where just because like maybe a certain element of it isn't working doesn't mean that you can't have open and honest conversations with those people and evolve the relationship I think that that is a beautiful thing and I think that there's certainly that opportunity there. Once again, I don't know the exact situation and there might be a period perhaps. I've also spoken about this before where maybe in the period where you are trying to shift away from partying and drinking and whether it's like doing drugs or smoking or whatever, maybe there is a period where you you do distance yourself a little bit just to get clear on your own intentions and maybe get out of some of these habits, but maybe you'll be able to reintegrate into those environments once you feel a little bit more stable within yourself. In terms of forming like-minded and meaningful friendships, to be honest, I think this is something that I am still figuring out because I'm now in the phase where I'm kind of in a different chapter, I've moved away from where I formed most of my friendships, and I'm starting to like form and build friendships now where I live in Vancouver, And so a couple of things. First of all, we are now in the era where it's really easy to meet people online. And I actually utilize tools like Bumble BFF. It's basically like Bumble, but the friends version. I use that. And because at first I found it really hard to put myself out there, especially since, you know, we moved to Vancouver in the peak or right before the pandemic hit. So those are really good options. And then I think the other thing about forming meaningful... And like-minded friendships is speaking openly and joining certain spaces about the topics that you're interested in so let's say you're interested in hiking and spirituality how can you immerse yourself in those types of environments so are there any facebook groups you can join are there any meetup groups you can join and just putting yourself out there and putting yourself in the spaces where you think that you would meet those types of people even if it's online and even if it's online forums and stuff like that. I think you'd be surprised at how many people you can meet through that. I've met a lot of people online and a lot of people through, you know, just speaking openly about topics that I'm interested in, obviously on social media has allowed me to connect with so many people. So I think to the extent that you can engage with The online space in a way that feels authentic, you will likely start to connect with people that are similar to you. Okay, so I think I'm gonna do one last question, which is basically, how do you start caring less about what people think? Now, this is like the ultimate question because I think that's one of the keys to unlocking a more easeful, free way of living is starting to care less and less what people think. Now, I always want to be in community with other people and I want to be connected to them so I want to be communicating and receiving feedback and not just like living in my own little echo chamber and bubble but I think there is a fine line like everything this sense of balance between you know being so isolated and not allowing yourself to communicate and form connections with other people and hear their opinions and allow that to shape yours with The opposite side of the spectrum, which is feeling paralyzed by all of the judgments and opinions. And criticisms of other people and not allowing ourselves to live the way we truly want to live and i feel like that's a space that so many of us exist in so really what we're trying to do here is bring ourselves a little bit closer into the middle where we are in that balance of like living in community with other people allowing ourselves to like receive advice and support and help while also not feeling like we absolutely must apply every single thing that someone says to us we can buffer it through our own personal lens and our own personal experience and then decide for ourselves does this resonate do I need to respond to this or is can I simply allow that person's truth to exist without me needing to defend against it or disagree with it just allowing different truths to exist and I've talked before about this in terms of religion which is that when it comes to things like belief they are ultimately there's a degree of choice that's involved in belief. So if, for example, let's just use the example because this is a huge topic of career and someone has a certain belief about the way that you should do your career. Now there are big groups of people that have like certain types of beliefs, right? Let's say the common traditional societally held narrative is that you have this type of career to be successful, you have this type of lifestyle, this is like the cookie cutter, right? But there's so much that exists outside of that. So when people are perpetuating that belief that that's the one way to exist and you feel resistance, because perhaps within you there's something that's telling you that that is not for you and that there's a different version of reality that you would like to experience and that you believe you could. For me, what I've realized is that any energy that I spend trying to fight or defend or disagree with folks who believe that this is the way to live, I just feel like the less energy I put into myself and my own personal journey. So the transition happens when you allow that person's truth to exist for them, That may be true for you and I respect that and I appreciate that and I honor that that's the way that you have found success or that your parents have found success, but it doesn't then have to also be true for me. I've found a lot of interpersonal and, to be honest, personal tension and conflict occurs when I try to fight against somebody else's version of reality and I personally just think that preserving that energy and investing it into propelling yourself in the direction that you feel you want to go in and seeking out mentors and seeking out communities and seeking out spaces and talking openly about the version of reality that you want to experience and that you're creating and that you feel is right for you. I feel like That is going to get you in the direction that you want to go in, not arguing with people and defending yourself. And I know that can be challenging because when you're experiencing judgment from family members or friends, it's hard to not feel like you have to justify that. But the biggest way that I find you can, you know, bring people along who maybe don't understand what you're doing is to accept where they're at, not try to force them to see it the way that you do, but just allow the embodiment that you're living to show that. So for example, when I first went on my journey with my career, I experienced, to be honest, a little bit of pushback from people in my life. Just, I think, mainly because it was so new and unknown being in the internet space is a relatively new thing and not everyone is familiar and comfortable with that. So at the very beginning, I was arguing all the time with people like, this is how I want to live. This is how I want to be. You're wrong. I'm right. Like so much resistance and so much tension between in these conversations I couldn't have a conversation about what I was doing without there being some sort of argument. Eventually I just realized that I was like creating these experiences to almost validate myself and I just began to realize like why do I need to receive validation from other people for the lifestyle that I want to live? I don't need you to see that it's the right way for me to feel that it is. And so I just honestly just stopped doing that. I stopped having those arguments. I would feel that internal tension when a comment was made about oh that's so irresponsible or like even if it wasn't about me I felt like I had to like defend that person or whatever and I still just kind of allowed that person to have their own version of reality of course if it was something that was personally offensive I would of course say something but I just realized like I want to preserve this energy and so I did and then now I'm in a place where the people around me can see not only the success that I've had in following my gut and in following what felt right to me, but also the change within me. I had, I've had, i had several people actually over the last few months tell me how much calmer and content and happy and pleasant and less anxious I seem now. And to me, it's such a reflection of me honoring that internal knowing and also, not feeling like I have to cut off those relationships, but once again, allowing them to evolve. Maybe during this period where I'm a little bit sensitive about my career path, we don't have these conversations because it's hurtful and I find that it creates conflict. So, having this little incubation period where I focus on finding within myself the truth of what I want to be doing and seeking out examples of folks who are doing that and doing it successfully so that I can reprogram this fear that it's not possible to live in that way and then once I feel solid and I feel once again I'm in that of stability and baseline in relation to the decision that I've made, then I can re-enter those conversations and I can be in a place where there's a diversity of views and not feel like I have to like battle every single one of them and get every single one of those people to be on my side. I think it's actually kind of cool to have a diversity of views as long as they're not being pushed on other people. And the last thing I'll say about caring less about what people think is I was kind of thrust into needing to examine that pattern of behavior of caring so much about what people think and allowing that to guide my life because of the situation I had with my mental health. I feel like my anxiety was the canary in the coal mine that was telling me, listen, you are not happy. You are not living in alignment with your true self. Nothing that you're doing feels like good. You feel frustrated, anxious, burnt out all the time. You need to take a look at this. And I In doing so, of course, that initial kind of rock bottom that I had sucked, but it led me to examine everything and realize how much and the extent to which I was so afraid of other people's judgments and how that fear was really ruling my life and controlling the direction of my life. So I think once it got to that point, for me, it was really a no-brainer that I was like, okay, we're, we're shifting this and I'm not you know, in a place where I fully don't care. And I don't know if I ever will be, but yeah, hopefully that helps. And hopefully that answers your question. And I think this is a really good question because it can be very paralyzing to live in that way. Okay, folks, we're almost at the one hour mark. So if you've stuck with me this long, thank you so much. I have so much gratitude as always for you for listening. I hope that these questions and these answers resonated with you. If you have any, as always, DM me, and I really like this, so maybe I'll do it again. Thank you so much, as always, and I will see you in next week's episode.